This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Treehouse, episode 55. Ticket to Centralia with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Yes, it is. And a very good morning to you, everybody. Here we go again. Another three hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. Uh, that's Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh, on the other side of the I microphones here. Uh, and uh, I've no hard and fast rule about explaining the titles to these shows. Mm-hmm. It's half the fun. Uh, let, let me put it another way. It's none of the fun. But um, Ticket to Centralia is is worth it because uh, today is the day that Centralia caught fire. Centralia, Peps, mm-hmm. is in Pennsylvania in America. It's a mining town. And in the 1980s, uh, they uh, had, had their landfill site at the uh, at an open uh, ex-open mine. Oh, old open mine. That's where they had their landfill. But there was a lot of rats, so they decided to set fire to the uh, landfill, which was on top of what they thought was a abandoned mine. It oh. isn't. They seem underground caught fire, and it's been burning ever since. No! Centralia in Pennsylvania used to have thousands of inhabitants. Today it has, I think there's still 10 people who live there. But go on uh, YouTube and look up Centralia. You can drive towards it, and the roads are all saying, go back, go back, as you drive towards it. But some people don't. And fissures have opened in the road, and flames are coming out of them. And you can see steam arising, or smoke arising, for miles around. Underground in Centralia is one of the longest burning fires in the world. In the world. Uh, and it started because the mayor said, oh no, let's set fire to all that trash. And it's been burning ever since, and now it's abandoned. But seeing the roads with flames coming out of them, literally the road to hell. And uh, anyway, this... Uh, this wow! Rather, no, no, this rather shallow but, little show is a ticket. No, it's, it's, it, the bizarre thing is that I, 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 I got caught in conversation with my neighbour, who's who's a very nice chap, but slightly mm. reclusive. Don't speak to him very often. And reclusive he said, please, someone send us emails about uh, reclusive and fascinating neighbours, please. This is the neighbour who came out about the fourth time we did the NHS clap and looked up and down the street bewildered as to what everyone was doing. <laughs> very nice chap, but obviously... I was, I was talking to him yesterday. He said, oh, I, I, I'm doing the garden because I won't be around for a while. I'm hoping to go to Africa to my gold mine. No. Oh, yes. well, uh, do you know what? And I went, oh, is that figuratively? He went, no, no, I, I, no. I, a real gold mine. 
Uh, do you know what? You've seen Chitty Bang Bang. You know Lionel Jeffries when he goes up to his little hut. Sorry, off to India. <laughs> yes, it's quite possible. He's been around the world during lockdown. God it's, bless it's your neighbour, but I don't know whether he's actually going to a gold mine in Africa. We'll find out. Keep us posted, Peps. Like any other out there, you've got fascinating or reclusive neighbours. So we, we've got a show to do. We can't mm. keep talking about gold mines in Africa and places that have been on fire since 1981. Uh, we've got plenty to do, but first we must do any other business. And I'm afraid it's one of those where I'm going to um, rather put you on the spot, Peps, by giving you a hopelessly random series of names and saying, who are they then? Okay. <laughs> but this is worth it. Um, here's the names. Slats, Jackie, Telly, Tanner and George. How about that? Slats, Jackie, Telly, Tanner and George. It's it, Only Louise Pepper would even hazard a guess at this. But if, if you want to put your hands up, that's perfectly understandable. I'm distracted Slats. because Slats is the nickname of someone I went to school with. Aha. Uh, whose who's surname was Slattery. And Jackie and Telly and Tanner and George. And it sounds Tanner. like uh, it's, it might be an Edward Lear mm. story of people living in a teapot, but it's not. Uh, you're never going to get it. They're all the dogs that stood in for Lassie. Oh, you, you know what? Again, that's why you're the great-granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh, because you're that. You're in exactly the right ballpark. I'm going to give you one point for that. Ooh. If we gave one point. Yes, yeah, I don't think uh, I've ever had a point before. So that's Jackie, Telly, Tanner, George, are the names of the lion that introduced the, N the, the MGM films. Oh! The lion that roars. Oh, the first one was Slats. The second one was called Jackie. Then there was Telly. Then Tanner and George. And the last one was Leo. But now they're all generically. How called, obvious. They're all called Leo. They were always called it, but their actual names were, were those. And I'll just run you down. Uh, we need some um, uh, a bit of pomp and circumstance behind this, if you would, Phil. Here we go. Uh, Slats was the original one. And the very first film introduced, MGM film introduced by a lion, was a film called He Who Gets Slapped. <laughs> it's a psychological thriller, thriller starring Ooh. Lon Chaney, or as my dad called him, Michael Jackson. As another day I'll tell that story. Uh, Slats never uh, roared, he just looked around the screen. And it, currently, today, he's on display in a museum in Kansas. <laughs> Amazing! Poor old Slats. Uh, what have silent films? So there's no point uh, of doing it. Uh, I thought he up. who would get slapped or whatever it was would have been a sort of a, a, a you know, a, a riotous, a riotous yeah. farce. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not. It's a misunderstanding, husband and wife and all of that business. Here's a, a, a Jackie uh, was the first to roar and he used to do three roars and lock off to the right. I'll tell you, Nick told us, of course, from a Wikipedia page. This fella gives you more information about the lions at the beginning of films, including what everyone does that differentiates it from the others. Some look off to the left and roar once and then look off to the left again. Whoever's done this, uh, like your neighbour, is obsessed with <laughs> detail. Uh, so he looks off to the right, he made a hundred films, Jackie, and uh, she did, made a hundred films, one with Greta Garbo, and was the luckiest of all the lions that introduced MGM films. Uh, in her time, Jackie uh, escaped from a sinking ship, not in film, in real life, was in two train wrecks, uh, escaped a studio explosion and was in a plane crash where she was stranded in the Arizona desert for a long time, but the plane was also carrying sandwiches, so she survived. <laughs> Jackie the Lion. You know, on the downside, I'm in the middle of nowhere in a habitat I don't understand because Jackie was from the Sudan, but oh, sandwiches. 
if you'd have come, if you'd have come across Jack, you'd have thought, it's a lion picnic. That lion has packed a picnic. <laughs> Just... Paging Pixar. Paging Pixar, know, we have a film for you. A couple of the others. Uh, uh, Tanner uh, was the, the one that introduces the Wizard of Oz. Tanner was, did loads and loads of films, replaced Jackie, who was busy with her sandwiches. But uh, Tanner was, is the one you see at the beginning of Wizard of Oz. Worked with the Three Stooges a lot, but Tanner's mm. roar wasn't very good, so they dumped on Jackie's roar to Tanner. Oh, this this fella, this this is what the internet is for. Then there's George, who was the most heavily maimed of all of them. And if you can identify George, because he roars towards the right of the screen, then straight at camera, and then back to the right of the screen again. What a uh, pro. A variant of George. Uh, sometimes there are films where George actually roars just twice straight to camera. I was reading this this morning thinking, this is why I get up. And, this is why I get up at seven and think, what can we do for the show? So there they are. Uh, Slats, Jackie, Telly, Tanner, George and Leo. And I know I say, but we're going to start the show because you've been good enough to get in touch uh, any second now. And by the way, over the next seven days, uh, the information of how this show launches, blossoms and comes through. Uh, will we'll be on my Twitter feed to say the least. It's going to be the Patreon site. We saw it yesterday and it's, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It we is. It's a beautiful thing. We don't feel like we're nicking, you know, money. It's a really good thing and it's going to be fulsome and hopefully the treehouse can uh, become an independent uh, exercise. But I've got to give you this. Uh, Henry Perky. Now his name's P-E-R-K-Y, like Pinky. Oh, that's a lovely name. Isn't it? Henry Perky. You've got to be called Pinky, aren't you? Henry Pinky Perky uh, invented shredded wheat in 1895. Now that's, you know, neither here nor there for me. Uh, however, he, dis- they, he called them pillows originally because they are, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are pillows. <laughs> they, shredded wheat are little, ti- well, not little tiny even, but they're pillows. Uh, he took it along to Kellogg's. They turned it down because they said it's too bland. It's like e- eating broom bristles. Yes, agreed. There is something in there, isn't there? And uh, he also invented round ones called muffets, round shredded. Oh, I'd muffets. be up for a round. Yeah. You've got to go to Canada then. They're still on sale in Canada. Muffets, round shredded wheat. Oh, things that are different shaped always. I mean, you, you buy for a, you know, you buy for a family. So if you went yes. and it said new shredded wheat stars and they were star shaped. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> Yeah, things a different colour or different shape, but this is for all the old heads listening to this show. Let let me put that another way for everyone listening to this show. uh, I was, you know, okay, pretty good shredded wheat, maybe it's not, it's not the lions, but then it said about their advertising campaigns. Now, Peps, uh, uh, what year were you born? It's your birthday, Peps. It is your birthday, Peps. Today's your birthday. It is. Oh dear Lord! I promise you, it literally penny dropped us. Oh. Oh, Pep, in 1978 on this very day. Oh, unbelievable. You said it on the last show, or you said it before the last show. Uh, and, and everyone, this is, this is, you can tell it's not planned. It's Louise Napoleon Peppers, the great-granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh's birthday. Thank Louise. You. Raise a glass to me at 11.51am for the time well, I, I arrived on this planet. Just in time for lunch, as my mum always says. My, and my, thus my life has ever been. Yeah, but my uh, uh, diary, which I think, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, is worth the admission to the uh, Patreon alone. I didn't realise I was going to... It's now 20-odd thousand words long. Oh. And it's it's basically the fourth book, but it's going to go on and on and on. I'll do it daily. But I was very... Uh, I, 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 I did tribute and a salute to you on one of these. Oh, so now you've got to join. <laughs> no, I did but happy birthday peps thank you uh, so anyway the answer being 1978 mm. you probably won't remember uh the what the shredded wheat jingle that i do you probably grew up in the era of betcha can't eat three 
Yes. Because Shredded Wheat used to have a song. Now, ladies and gentlemen, stand by. Okay. Got this song. And yes, it's of its time, and it may make, uh, it, it, you know, it certainly wasn't, um, it, it, this wasn't written by Andrea Dworkin, let's say that. Uh, so uh, it used to go like this. There are two men in my life. To one, I am a mother. To the other, I'm a wife. And I give them both the best with natural shredded weed. It used to be on all the time. There are two men in my life. Uh, and, you know, when I saw the ad, I thought, yeah, okay, I remember that. But it said underneath, and, and Phil Walding, who's listening to this, is, you know, as big an old head as we get. It said, the song was sung uh, by Linda Hoyle. Now, Linda Hoyle, right? Linda mm. Hoyle, I, I read that and I said, no, no. That frankly asinine little jingle was sung by Linda Hoyle. Linda Hoyle used to be in a group called Affinity. Now, if you go on to discogs.com, Affinity's album with Linda Hoyle singing it, average price these days for a, average price for it is about 550 quid. Oh, average price. You can go below that if it's scratched or, or above that. But Linda Hoyle herself in 1971, probably the same year she made that jingle, uh, she made an album called Pieces of Me. And if you go on Discogs and look up Linda Hoyle, Pieces of Me, her album she made in 1971, is the minimum is £1,500. And average is about £2,200 for Linda Hoyle's album she made. And it's her who's probably made 10 times, 20 times more out of singing the Shredded Wheat jingle <laughs> than she yes. ever did for her album, which is now about two grand average price for it. And I saw that Jesus. and I just said, man alive, my shoes and socks shut off in either direction. So that's the show this week. We'll see you. <laughs> We're going to have a birthday party now. Pip, what, what are we doing today, Pep? Uh, right. So we have, um, oh, you threw in a last minute one just before we started, which is a stupid thing to get annoyed about. Mm-hmm. Something you wish you'd never chucked away. Mm-hmm. Getting caught being nosy. Mm-hmm. School in other countries. And being part of pop history in a very small way. Anything you can help us on those, please. The uh, What is the email address these days? In the treehouse pod at Gmail. Dot com, yes. Um, well yeah, see, I'm, see, I'm getting pro now. We're going to start charging. I'm getting pro. <laughs> <laughs> Give us something from over there, Peps. Uh, this is from, uh, oh, Steve. Bluffing you were rich. Mm-hmm which is one of our other ones. Uh, my mate bluffed to me he was rich when we were kids in the 80s, and I believed it for years. In his parents' lounge, they had a big, thick, white fur rug in the middle of the floor. And whenever I went to walk in it, my mate said it was worth thousands of pounds, and I couldn't walk on it as his parents would go mad. For years, I never walked on that rug. I was very careful. I walked around it. I didn't want to damage the expensive rug. One day I turned up round his house and noticed the rug had gone and been replaced with another not very expensive looking rug. I asked my mate's dad, who was my football manager, if he'd got a good price for the rug and what was he doing with all the thousands he'd made from it. Sold it, he said, looking puzzled. I binned it, it looked tatty. I said, wow, you are rich throwing away an expensive rug. He burst out laughing. It was 10 quid from Romford Market. The dog <laughs> is a bed. Why would, I th- why would that be worth a fortune? As I turned fa- round, red-faced in embarrassment, my mate and his brother were in fits of laughter. They couldn't believe I still thought it was an expensive rug five years on. Well, they still you know, remind me. If, if a mate tells you that, and it's white, I mean, a white rug, that, 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 that's a... That's like things out of Dallas or Dynasty, a white absolutely, fur rug. I, I, I'm with him. I bet, it, I, bet it, I bet it was. I bet the fellow never knew what he had, like a Linda Hoyle album. He just <laughs> didn't figure that out. We, um, we used to be carpeted pretty every few years. Fred, 
carpet. Got to get a new carpet. <laughs> uh, but they come from places like Cyril Lord and all this. But they were very much man-made fibres. And our front room carpet, I remember, even the, when it was replaced, it was one of those you could take three steps and it was like Frankenstein's laboratory. You could put <laughs> your two index fingers an inch apart and the electricity would leap across. <laughs> I say, Dad, these carpets, they, 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 they could charge you up. We talk about charge you up. I say, they charge you up. It's your shoes. Ain't the carpet. Tim Tuckney ain't your shoes you wear. <laughs> it was the carpet, like Centralia. <laughs> they were this far away from bursting into flames under your feet. Uh, this is from our friend Martin. Many years ago, as a younger man, we spent a day on the lake windsurfing. This was followed by a swift visit to a pub and a few beers, and then on to a nightclub. I arrived at the club, ready to strut my stuff, only to be rebuffed by the bouncers. My shorts were insufficient and could lead to unruly behaviour, they said. No shorts. I dashed to the car only to find that my only long trousers were my wetsuit trousers. Of course, in those days, the 80s, tight leather trousers on a man mm. were entirely expected. So I thought I could get in, get away with it. Were entirely expected. I was duly let in. What I hadn't factored in was the cool of the night air versus the heat of the nightclub. <laughs> Within minutes, I was dancing and the trousers became weapons-grade insulation. After 20 minutes, the smell of old lake water and my sweat were too much and I had to leave. I have never worn wetsuit trousers since. Now, that is extraordinary. <laughs> Who would wear wetsuit trousers other than on the lake? But going into a club in them, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. your 80s. Yeah, absolutely. The Blitzcraft, he got there first. Oh, I didn't I think of the wetsuit trousers. But then in a club, imagine. I mean, I've never worn tights. I've got to say, well, I have in pantomime. Uh, in fact, I've worn tights. Look, actually, I wear tights a lot. <laughs> and I know that a wetsuit would be uh, several denier more than that. Uh, he's got a good PS. He says, by the way, Donald Sinden's sons are amongst the backing vocalists on Hey Jude. Did you know that? Well, uh, of course, I would always say, yes, I did, even if I didn't, but I did know that. But the sons, yes, are Donald, Donald Sinden. Donald Sinden. Rich as a fruitcake. Uh, his two boys, you can probably hear him in the back. La, 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 la. Oh, that's Hey Jude. Well, it is Hey Jude. Anyway, Donald Sinden's sons. Give us a thing, Pets. This is... Uh, Benjamin, well, he says Benjamin Toast. Now, I don't know if that's his real name or, or an assumed name. It's be called I Toast, like Toast of London and all of that. He misread when compliments go wrong as when complaints go wrong. And <laughs> we don't mind about that. I'm going to give him my very, very due course story in a minute. No, no, anyway, go on. <laughs> Among the various high street re retailers I've fallen out with down the years is one selling cameras and stuff. I bought a camera to take photos of a trip to Israel in around 2009 and the blasted thing didn't work and upon my photoless return, I asked for my money back. They said we'd like the opportunity to repair it. I countered with, I'd have liked the opportunity to take photos with it. But still, it went off for three weeks and they posted me back a camera that still didn't work. Back it went and back it came three times, turning out nothing more than a novelty paperweight. They'd wasted my time, so I was hell-bent on wasting theirs. And six months later, I was all set with my plan. The idea was I would enter the same shop and make the staff painfully explain everything about an expensive camera and then reveal I had no intention of buying it and the reason why. <laughs> Some people have so much time on their hands, don't they? But... <laughs> when head office heard about it, they would see the error of their ways and a check and a fulsome apology would be in the post. I stood in that shop for 20 minutes trying to get the attention of anyone before I gave up. My attempt to waste their time wasted yet more of my own time. <laughs> and 10 years on, I am still seething 
and I wish to sue, still have my revenge, although served very cold. <laughs> Do I have a prize for the oldest grudge against a shop? Oh, I don't know. I bet somebody out there says, hey, oh. I know, uh, I don't want to say my friend, but the, there was, I, used to, I used to be a big fan of Fred Bassett cartoons. Oh, you know, yes. Fred Bassett the dog? Mm. Uh, they were written by Graham. Daily Mail used to have them, didn't they? It was, oh, yes, uh, yeah. uh, when one could still say that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I used to like the uh, buying the kind of oblong-shaped uh, uh, compendiums of Fred mm. Bassett. I like Fred Bassett. And I always remember one that I didn't understand at the time, but over the years I've grown to see it's one of the great, it's almost up there with Schultz and Peanuts, one of the great truths. Uh, the Fred Bassett's owner is laying in bed uh, with his wife and he says, you know when uh, that fella said to me in the shop today about uh, the size of the hat, I should have said to him, I wish I'd have said to him, and, and uh, later on when that fella said to me about the, uh, where, the, where the car was parked, and you know what I should have said to him? And his wife says, you are just so annoying. Every night you sit in bed saying what you should have said to people all day. You've got to get over that. It's very boring. And next frame, they're not saying anything. And then you see him thinking, when she said a saying, that's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of thing you do to your head. Well, no, no, I should have said. There's a lot I mean. should have said, people. And anything you can join us on that, please, we would love to hear from you. This is from um, Tim Bob. I'm not sure what that means, but it's all one word, Tim Bob. Uh, it says, hearing the story on your last show about the dog trotting along the promenade and smoking a pipe, uh, didn't and it reminded me of the following because it was the best three seconds of my life. It was about 12 years ago, and I was in South London, and found myself in the Imperial War Museum. This wasn't my idea, he says. My friend Ayed had less than jaundiced view about war and museums than I did. The Imperial War Museum's a great museum. It's a wonderful museum. The times, especially in the summer holidays, because I'm from South London, that's, you know, it's five bus stops away, the war museum. Brilliant to walk around, uh, especially when you go down in the trenches. As you oh, use. yes, and loads of things. And buttons. everything. I don't know if I'll read the rest of this, Tim Bob. You've insulted one of my um, <laughs> childhood venues. Anyway, anyway, he said, I paid the fee. You're paid to get in the war museum now. I paid the yes, No, it's free, isn't it? I'm sure it is. Must uh, have been a while maybe, maybe that's why he's got jaundiced memory of it. There was just a bloke standing outside saying, tickets, <laughs> no connection with the museum at all. How much is it? Tenner. Oh, it's a bit steep, isn't it? In you go. <laughs> no connection with the museum at all. Anyway, I paid the fee and I did wander around for a bit. And despite being determined to have a terrible time, I was secretly impressed to see one of Alan Turing's Enigma machines. Anyway, about half an hour later, having exhausted any semblance of interest, I wandered outside to have a cigarette. Hey kids, just say no, he puts in brackets. <laughs> I recall it was a beautiful sunny day, and as I sat on a low wall out in front of the building, uh, having filled my lungs and gathered my thoughts, I rather brutishly flicked the cigarette butt into the vague direction of a nearby tree. No sooner as it hit the ground, than a pigeon waddled along to it and, presumably more used to human, humans dropping comestibles, it picked it up perfectly in its beak by the corked end. For three glorious seconds, I watched a pigeon hop from foot to foot, pulling on a Benson and Hedges. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And <laughs> see, where's your camera with that? The pigeon, and it's perfectly at the side of its mouth. By the, by the and if ever there was a bird that was going to smoke tabs, it would be a pigeon, yeah, a pigeon wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> right, man. Cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, I have since become a reformed character and now will avoid flicking fag butts or pigeons if at all possible. I'll give up, give up the weed, my friend. Uh, that was from our friend Tim Bob. Uh, we're going to take a little break here uh, because it's Pep's birthday and we're going to have a glass of champagne because it's 10 o'clock in the morning and to hell with it. 
Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. And we're back here on Pep's birthday, and uh, uh, because there's no off position in, in, on this, you, you people are good enough to join us. And, uh, uh, and this is the kind of thing you can expect when we go Patreon um, and, and psychedelic and expand in about two weeks' time. Uh, by the way, what's going to be is the Tuesday show, will, uh, or the Wednesday show, as, as you receive it, will be um, as normal. You can get that from the site. But the Friday one, which is going to be super-duper with special subjects and all of that, uh, we'll, we will be asking if you'll uh, join us on that. <laughs> How can we shrinking from saying you're going to... <laughs> but there is plenty. You'll see the, the, the benefits of this. Don't shut the door, madam. I've got my foot in it. Uh... <laughs> You'll see the benefits of this in a fortnight's time because we are uh, going to finally go on professional terms, which, which I, what I hope uh, is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so, uh, but Pep said, um, uh, Wilbur this morning, uh, as, as Pep's daughter, son, said, uh, uh, what he said to me, oh, I can't say it. And I said, Pep's, why don't you? So what did he say to you on your Well, birthday? we were woken this morning when he appeared in the bedroom doorway at quarter past six. The little voice went, happy birthday, mummy. Oh. I'm not covered in wee-wee. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. The greatest that's, birthday gift there, is there could the be. Best. Do you know what? Uh, We're struggling think, a little with dry nights at the that's moment. Exactly that the, that's exactly what I gave when and said to her five years ago. Uh, that was, as I turned 60, actually three years ago, everyone, don't do your maths. Uh, but anyway, beautiful, a beautiful gift. Uh, <laughs> and... and uh, Again, I hesitate to say it, but anyone who's got a similar verbal gift <laughs> instead of an actual present, instead anyone who's had a birthday or Christmas where they didn't buy you an actual present, but I would love to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> by the way, the last show we um, uh, touched upon that Dick Emery film. Oh, yes. Are awful. Mm. Uh, and and I, I, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, and you have to listen to the last show. Uh, and the fellow said he's probably the only... Uh, they, they were kids and their parents took him so they thought it would be a funny romp and it's actually mm. quite, quite blue uh, and, uh, and he told us that story and uh, Phil Walding who, who has to sit and, and suffer the show before he edits it down uh, uh, he, he also said I saw that in the pictures but it was a hit I mean it wasn't like a, it's not a rarity but I did look it up and uh, uh, in, in America and the rest of the world it's not called Who You Are Awful and on the internet movie database it's not Who You Are Awful I looked for ages I thought well, where is it his credits are long but I couldn't find it it's actually been recalled uh, uh, rechristened renamed Get Charlie Tully that's his character's name in it he's under no real threat in it Get that's Charlie Tully interest in it for the rest of the world <laughs> and, uh, well there it is if you want to see it Get Charlie Tully but also Dick Emery and I'm going to have to say, I did not know this, like the Linda Hoyle singing the uh, uh, shredded wheat advert. He's in um, Yellow Submarine. In the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, Jeremy Jeremy Hillary Boob, who's the nowhere man, is voiced by Dick Emery. He's at no. double speed. Yes, it's Dick Emery uh, in, in Yellow Submarine. There's there's one for you. What is, you could say, uh, what are the connections between Frankie Howard, uh, Dick Emery and the Beatles? They've all oh, been Beatles. Good Frankie quiz question for people still doing those. <laughs> well, Frankie Howard uh, was in Help, uh, but he's not in Help. There's only some still survive of him and Paul McCartney in a room. Was the scene say, was I cut and him. deleted. They threw away all the. But he played a psychiatrist in it, uh, in a scene that didn't make the film. 
and Frank, because they were all fans of Frankie Howard and they wanted him in the film. It didn't work, it's cut, but the, there are still stills of him and McCartney doing the scene. But Dick Emery is in Yellow Submarine. What you got over there, Pepsi? Give us something, what you got? Uh, this is from Matt in Manchester. This was compliments going wrong. Mm-hmm. I was once sat in the living room of some shared accommodation when one of my flatmates walked in wearing a hugely impressive ball gown. Clearly she was off to a fancy fun- function and much time, energy and expense had been put into this. I was the only other person around at the time and of course it fell to me to, uh, to see her in full regalia and offer the due compliments. However, as I had no idea she was going to some posh too until I saw her, I was curious as to where she was going. So this inquiry, along the lines of where are you off to and what are you off to, collided with my brain with wanting to say something nice and came out as, blimey, what have you come as? <laughs> Stern gaze, thinning lips and swift angry exit gave me no time to recover. I moved out soon afterwards. Let me ask you this, Peps, here on your birthday. Do you own a ball gown or anything approaching it? Do you own a ball gown? No. No? I mean, my wedding dress is still knocking about, but I... I what are you I, saying knocking about? Where is it? In my parents' wardrobe. Is it? Uh, mm. and that, 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 that was a full ball gown effect. I know you got married out in... Uh, Italy. Italy. Uh, yeah, it was, it, we, we actually took some of the skirts out of it, otherwise I think I would have melted away like the man in his wetsuit trousers, because <laughs> August in Rome oh. was not the time for 15 layers of skirts. But, but, um, but, but, but and, and I'm sorry to you know, get the show bogged down in this, but uh, do you have a selection? Supposing uh, an invite comes in saying, heard it was your birthday, uh, do you want to come to the premiere tonight of the new Bond film? Uh, everyone's going to be there, including the late Princess Margaret. Uh, do you have a go-to thing? Well, that's it. This is this. Oh, you know, I mean, I did a, a dress that makes you look like you belong. Oh no, no, none of those. <laughs> Never need. Uh-huh. I do have my um, sparkling silver jumpsuit that I got for my 40th no. birthday. That's pretty special. How's Susie Quattro? Very, very. Susie Quattro. Well done. Well, when mm. we do the live versions of these shows, the audience are going to expect... Oh, that's what I'll wear. ...proof of that. Uh, I apologise uh, to whoever sent this email. She, uh, Her name is, is somehow dropped off the email, and it wasn't on there, so I do apologise, but you'll know who you are. <laughs> uh, but there's no name on the actual email. And it says, uh, when my son was new... What a great to say. When my son was new, uh, I hadn't slept, but I was determined we were having a nice day out. We were too tired for this, but decided we were definitely going to do it. We were going to go to Hay on Wire. It's about an hour and a half away. So we grunted to each other, didn't really speak getting ready to go. A day trip with the baby uh, was much needed stuff. I nearly fell asleep in the car. My husband was grumpy. The baby cried about the car seat. And it would be nice when we got there. I felt it was a very, very long journey. As we got out of the car and looked for a parking meter, I noticed I had on one pale brown boot and one black boot. Knee-high boots, these were, with a knee-length dress. One boot had a round toe and one toe was pointed. One had a wedge heel, the other had a block heel. (laughs) We couldn't leave, we had to stay. I seriously considered stealing some Wellington boots off a doorstep. My day was ruined and I didn't want to walk around. My husband thought it was the best thing that ever happened. I also meant that he got home early to watch the football. That he was much more interested in. We haven't had a day out since. Now, (laughs) that seems like a really, uh, even in the title. Oh, that's proper baby brain, that is. is, That's a new mum right there. I've put one boot on. Hang on. Uh, Oh, that's a boot. Uh, Getting out the other end, uh, there's a wonderful scene I often mention in uh, Norman Wisdom's uh, uh, Spare a Copper film. I know that's not the title of it, On the Beat, uh, when he um, 
goes for his uh, uh, medical because he's too little to be in the police but his dad was a policeman it's a wonderful story on the beat uh, and uh, so he uh, gets chucked out because he's too small so he, he buys a pair of stilts and goes back for the medical this time uh, as about seven feet tall and he's got that sort of swagger he does normal wisdom where he thinks he's getting away but he goes into the doctor's office seven feet tall and he goes don't I know you oh I don't think so no and he goes um, sit down there then and he manages to sit down in a chair with his great big long legs <laughs> and he says um, would you cross your legs for me what he says would you cross your legs for me <laughs> so he manages to cross his legs and then the do- doctor does that thing with a little hammer oh, on the knee yes. he hits his knee with a hammer, his foot shoots up, and the stilt flies out his trousers straight out the window. <laughs> and then the doctor has a notice, he says, Come over here, please. And he goes, What? He's now come over here. And normal wisdom then proceeds to walk on one stilt and uh, as uneven as you like, but man <laughs> tries to carry it off, walking on one stilt on one leg, the most uneven gait you've ever seen. And that's how I picture our correspondent in her boots. <laughs> <laughs> Something from you, perhaps. Well, I can give you three... We're a good time, aren't we? We're having a good time. <laughs> I can give you three tw- quick tweets on uh, oh. regretting chucking away. Mm. So first is from Joe. Many years ago, my mum found a funny looking dishwasher tablet whilst loading it up. <laughs> Got a brownie gold. Thought nothing of it and used it. Some weeks later, after the box was recycled, she learnt it was their gold tablet promotion no. and had washed the dishes with £250,000. No, no, that can't be, can't be, can't be true. I hate to say it, I, but uh, plainly, our correspondent says, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Our family's been ruining it ever since. Wow, that's like if in Willy Wonka some kid had no idea of the thing. What's this? Oh, like you throw away those things in <laughs> magazines. In goes the golden tickets, the fire. Uh, wow, now uh, give us another one. Uh, Peter, I once traded my original seven inch copy of the specials Ghost Town for a copy of the Jay Giles band Centerfold. Yeah, in my defense, I was 12. And Jay Giles Band had a big picture of gigantic breasts on the cover. I've got to, well, I've got to, for me, that's a better record. I've got face facts. Really, I did. Centerfold is a great record. It's oh, a, I love Centerfold. And the, and the video, I remember, I think has that great gag in it where the snare drum is actually milk. And the, he hits the snare drum. He probably nicked this off of Benny Hill. But he hits the snare drum and it's full of milk. It looks like it's actually the skin Ooh. of the snare drum. It's a very good joke. No, I, I, won't, I won't accept that one. My friend, you had a, you did well. Uh, did you say you had another one, Pep? Yeah, and the last one's from uh, Kevin. Kevin Field. I was given the ball from the 1961 Cup final, mm. signed by Spurs and Leicester players. Uh-oh. I kicked off the signatures, being too young to take care of it. And then my dad took it to work and lost it. It had been got for me by Jimmy Cyril. My granddad was the chair at Aldershot and Cyril was the trainer. Man, how's that? You know, Signed uh, FA Cup final ball. Yeah, kick that. Uh, uh, this probably, the, the whole show is making people, you know, curl up because I'm sure people out there said, that Linda Hoyle album, I had that, I chucked it away. <laughs> and right the way to this, this is from Ben. Around 2010, I was involved in making some software for a large American company's products for the iPad. This company was unaware we were actually making the app, but we'd seen a gap in the market that they weren't filling, so went along into developing it. Close to the launch and after teasing their customers with what we were doing, we received a $10 million injunction from Texas and found ourselves in what was a pretty intimidating position. 
my more experienced business partner was more bullish than I was, so managed to negotiate a meeting with them in Texas. So off we headed to do some kind of deal with, I suppose, a uh, 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 Mac Macintosh, I suppose. Is that what it is? Somewhere, I don't yeah. I think so. I don't know where Texas is. We arrived as much where Texas is. That must be where Macintosh is. We arrived in Dallas. We got our heads down and mentally prepared ourselves for the big negotiation ahead. The next morning, my alarm went off, and I ran 30 minutes to get dressed, eat breakfast, and head across the road to their headquarters. As I took my suit out of the bag, it became immediately obvious that, I'd, as I put on my suit trousers, that something wasn't right. I was a size 30 in trousers at the time and found my entire body fitting into just one leg. Somehow my suit pants were a size 48 and were ridiculously baggy and approximately 30 centimeters too long. I thought feverishly, but it was clear my dry cleaner had done some kind of old switcheroo. My heart sank and I felt like faking an illness. What could I do? I was in a hotel in the middle of nowhere. It was a pretty lowly hotel as well with no facilities. And I had 20 minutes until what would be the most important meeting of my life. I found two safety pins and used one on each leg. But without a belt, the only way forward was to hold my trousers up with my left hand as I shook each executive's <laughs> hand. I had a migraine from the stress of the situation and I kept making myself the last person walking along corridors to ensure nobody was behind me and seeing the ridiculousness. Thankfully, we are still in partnership. Nobody told me they'd noticed and everything is for the best, but I still have recurring nightmares about ignobly dropping trowel several times during a big meeting. <laughs> Wow, I'm sorry I rather garbled the beginning of that, but I think the idea, again, like normal wisdom, like normal, two safety pins on the legs, holding it up on the front, and hopes nobody notices the huge baggy rear end on it. So, no, after you. No, you go, no, after you. After you, please. Has to go last. <laughs> In case the tea lady comes around and goes, oh, wow. <laughs> Sees <laughs> the huge and billowing rear end. Something quick peps them all wind up. This is uh, things you regret chucking away. It's just a sad tale to finish on, actually. This is from Jamie. My wife chucked her wedding ring away, mm. thinking the tissue it was wrapped in and left on the dressing table was a used dirty one. She'd taken the ring, which was emerald and diamonds, to work to ask a colleague who worked part-time at a jeweller's how much it would take to clean. And then instead of putting it away when she got home, she left it on the dressing table. I had to go through every single bin bag that had been put out that evening to no avail, and we've never seen it again. Oh, that is rotten. It's <laughs> just on a really sad tale. I do say it's a, a, a generic. Loads of people have done that. I certainly. Well, I, I'm sent out to the bins here. Well, once a fortnight, you have to go through the bins. We can't find it, and and I do. I go outside and I lay the oh, recycling one on its job. side. Or going through the Hoover is the other one. Going through the Hoover. A yes, tiny yes, earring yes. or something. Uh, oh. Things that people have hoovered up. No buttery gars, please. That's a given. I certainly take that. Um, but yeah, uh, I laid a bin on its side, even the food ones. And I do. I go squeezing every last drop of it. And I'll come indoors. So it's not in the bin. And what? It's not in the bin. Oh, no, I found it. Sorry. She's sitting, <gasps> she's sitting watching Friends. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a regular one. That's a regular one, and and thus do we get the tensions out of our marriage. Uh, just before we finish, um, Professor Frank McDonough on uh, Twitter. I'll give him the full credit for this. <laughs> Why not? He, he did it. Uh, he tweets uh, very odd things every now and then. I don't want this day to pass. On the, this day, as we record this, which is July the thirtieth or thirty first. Thirty first. 
Daniel Defoe, the great Daniel Defoe, of course, the uh, novelist and pamphleteer, was put in the stocks in London for circulating a satirical pamphlet about the king and the government. He was put in the stocks, but the public, the public was so outraged because they thought it was a very funny pamphlet that all they threw at him all day was flowers. Oh, Isn't that lovely? And that just showed you, you know. The very you the opposite big... of Twitter. Yeah, there it is. Exactly. Yeah, there it is. And I hope very typical of a wee happy gang who meet in the treehouse. Let's see if their mood changes once we move into the new era. But uh, play the theme tune, Phil. One, two, three, four. Treehouse. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the treehouse The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away In the treehouse Take it away, Danny! Yep, this has been The Treehouse. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again uh, midweek. It's been the birthday of Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great-granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh, uh, an absolute uh, someone who... In, in ordinary countries, they would dedicate parks to your pet. And of course, uh, Phil Wilding, who cobbles this all together at the end of it. So uh, we'll see you again midweek. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.